The Meet for TCAS is brought to you in part by SoneLab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at sonelab.com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So, this is the Meet for TCAST. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meet for Tea, The Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meet for Tea. Yeah, and I'm graphic designer and web guy and um, the hats. host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the season two finale. Season two, episode 25. Wow. 25 in this, this season alone already. That went by fast. That's a lot. And we don't mess around. This finale is a grand finale. We bring to you Jane Yolen and her husband, Peter Tacey. Yeah. Great conversation that we had with them. So Great conversation. And that's also why we're here. They've been collaborating on poetry and... There's some book projects that aren't out yet that they read from on our podcast. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit. They read, I don't know, about five or six poems. Yeah. It's great. Previously unpublished works. Including some in the upcoming issue of Meat for Tea. That's right, which will be released on September 11th. And we are, fingers crossed, so far the numbers are low enough, having a physical circ at Zone Lab. And Abandoned Building Brewery. So there's your heads up if you're in the neighborhood. And what you'll find at the Cirque is Art on Exhibit by Jennifer Coates, if that name sounds familiar. Her art was up at the last physical Cirque we had in March. And it's still up. And it's still up. So if you miss seeing it, then now's your chance because she'll be coming out in October to remove it. And frankly, the reason why it's still up is it was put up by her hand. I want it taken down by her hand. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to pack away 20, 20 30 paintings. Fancy art. Nope. I don't want anything to happen to it. There will also be spoken word, TBA, people I publish in the upcoming issue, and films by Wishbone Zoe and Liz Walter. Films will be shown. Cirque regulars know this at Abandoned Building Brewery. Then live music by Angry Baby and Editrix. Yeah. From 7 p.m. till midnight, $5 at the door. We do ask for liability reasons that all attendees be vaccinated. You, our friends, we know are vaccinated, right? We don't need to tell you that. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Preaching to the choir. But yes, for liability reasons, having that many people in our space in my recording studio, we have to enforce that policy. So we ask you, please, kindly to be vaccinated if you want to attend. Frankly, even if it weren't for that, I don't want to get sick and I have not the strongest immune system. And also, I don't want to encourage my friends to gather and get each other sick. Yeah, I mean, that's actually common sense when it comes down to it. 
But we do have the liability reasons, so that's why we are saying it in that way. And I should correct something. Um, the poems that Peter and Jane read, most of them are previously unpublished, well, but there's a couple that were published in a recent issue of Meat for Tea. It was a spill issue. Yeah, so you can actually go back and find those published. If you go to meatfortea.com forward slash buy, uh, you can get a PDF or possibly even a physical copy if we still have some. I think we still do. In fact, I know we do. I know we do. So that's available for purchase there. And by purchasing something from meatfortea.com, you also help support us in every way that we do Meat for Tea and the Meat for Tea cast. That's right. Consider becoming a subscriber. Mm -hmm. You can have Meat for Tea just show up at your house every three months without you exerting yourself one iota. So um, we've been asking for feedback and for reviews, and we have some new ones. The Apple Podcast app has fixed whatever issues it was having. So do you want to read our new reviews? This one actually comes from the Soft Serve podcast, if that sounds familiar. Love those guys. Yeah, it should. Stompin' Jen and... Sawtooth Frank. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've got, they say here, Cheerio, Mark and Elizabeth have great chemistry and their passion for artists is infectious. Highly recommend you include this one in your regular feed. All right. Thank Thank you, Thank you, guys. And we have another quick short one that came in as well. But it's short and sweet. Perfect pod. Gotta like that subject line. Enjoy this calm and informed show, listener for life. Who's that from? That's from MX Sandy 12. Thank you, MX Sandy 12. Very nice. Very excellent. And you too can write a review and rate us on podcasts or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. That's a big one. Yeah, friends and family. Spreading the word, word of mouth is actually the best thing that people can do to support podcasts they like. I do it all the time. We've done it on this podcast ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, we have promoted other podcasts. So I think we should get over to our conversation with Yeah, let's not keep them waiting. It's really good stuff. So here it comes, folks. Here's Peter. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jane. Thanks for joining us. And hi, Jane. Happy to be here. Delighted. Delighted. Oh, you are our season two finale podcast. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You're, you're in a place of exalted honor, which I think is extremely appropriate. I find just being in meat for tea extremely exalted. I'm very pleased to be part of your family. I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm thrilled to be able to add Peter, too. Well, Peter is very happy to be here also. And I I love your collaborations. And I was just looking on the Meat for Tea website to refresh my memory of how long we've been fortunate to be able to publish you, Jane, in Meat for Tea. Yep, the fir- it, the first issue we published you in was volume 11, issue two, the Confit issue. And now we're in, we just released volume 15, issue two. So wow. we're comfortably over four years that you've been Well, published. I'm glad that I span the time between when Meat for Tea was just this little 
magazine and is now this powerhouse special Massachusetts award magazine. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We, we forgot, we didn't get around to updating the website, but it turns out that in 2020, we had another new England book show win. Really? Too. Yeah, we probably didn't bother updating the website because it was second place. Oh, ho hum. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't do second was, place. Was that under plowshares again? I, you know, probably. We've been neck and neck with plowshares. And, you know, for me, plowshares has had a target on their back. And it sure was fun to beat them that one year. Yes, especially I mean, since I don't think they've ever taken anything from me. Also, well, no hard lost. feelings to <laughs> plowshares, but right. unlike right. Meat for Tea, they're attached to a wealthy academic institution, Emerson College. Yep. Yep. They have all sorts of funding, and Meat for Tea's funding is I reach out to local business owners with my handout, and they give me money to give to the printer. Yes, yes. And that's, that's pretty much it. It's not a vanity publication, and I've been so lucky. Well, it's it also, I don't remember how I first heard about you, but when I, I know how we do, and we can jog your memory, and you can tell that story because you'll remember it was Mark's son, Sebastian, won a short story competition. I think right, it was right. Spooky short stories. Yes. Yeah, and I showed up. For the uh, for the award ceremony, and um, you were talking with him at the end of, of the ceremony, and I spoke with you a bit and sort of mentioned what Elizabeth like does. a good husband does. And from what Elizabeth reported, by the time I got home that day, you had already sent her an email. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I am very forward that way. Yeah, well, well, we love it. I was excited. Well, anyway, we wanted to tell you that Peter and I met over poetry 64 years ago. No kidding. Oh, gosh. Tell that story. I, I, I want it. I want every detail. We don't know the whole story. That's uh, We don't remember it. We don't know if it's because we're so old. Well, the best thing about a story filtered through years of memory is it starts to blur over into a fun folk tale or fictional story. And I'm good with that too. Well, we, we, the one thing we remember is that somebody, either Peter's friend or mine said, um, there's this girl or there's this boy who's the best poet at Smith and Williams. And they talk about poetry all the time and you might be interested in meeting them. So somebody got us together that way. And we had, Two months of talking poetry, and that was about it. Sixty-four <laughs> years ago, so this wait, was not sixty-four years ago, a romance of any kind. It was two people who, among other things, found that what was very unfashionable then in English departments, which that we both loved Emily Dickinson, and, and that was unfashionable then. Oh, it was almost unheard of because Isn't that wild? in the 1950s when that was her po poetry, is, most of it was just being published for the first time as written. Oh, wow. Mm. 
And um, so when English departments leaned in other directions towards poetry with a lot of footnotes. But we leaned into, into sort of um, what? Her, her poetry as it was written. Yeah. And, and um, years and years and years later, we had our first date, which we really weren't considering a date, actually, mm -hmm. um, at the Emily Dickinson Museum. Oh, wow. Perfect. Oh, wow. When, when was this? Right well, before COVID. Well, right. Yeah. So 2019? <laughs> uh, two and a half years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah. So 2019, and your first date was, were you both just independently? Well, we had dates back in the 1950s, but we, we right. kind of thought, but again, that's been lost in the fogs of time. And um, uh, Jane had, the, there'd been a wonderful review of Jane's work in The New Yorker. Of course. And, um, I, and I just thought, this is too good. And I had written her and said, what a triumph that was. And I was so pleased for her because we'd mm. never really been out of touch totally. And um, then said, I'm on my way in another couple of weeks to go up to the Emily Dickinson Museum. Want to go make a pilgrimage with me? Well, I didn't realize that em that Emily Jane lived around the corner. Jane had also been on the board or whatever it was of the Emily Dickinson. No, museum. it wasn't on the board, but I did a lot of stuff. You did stuff for them, yeah. For them. So yeah. And she was a known quantity. And uh, but that got us sort of talking and hanging out again together. And then everything else happened, <laughs> including getting married. Yeah, well, the, we should perhaps with present company be clear about the fact that are we both consulted our lawyers about this. The only time I think I've ever encountered lawyers for two different sides who completely agreed. They agreed that at our age, um, forget it, forget Don't. it. Just, just declare yourself married and, and, uh, that's it. So we decided well, the I like it. that we really liked was the receptions anyway, and <laughs> the reception, but then COVID happened and we're still waiting to do that. We haven't, but, we're, we're married. Yeah. Well, Super. yeah. Congratulations. And I like the way that that happened. And when this plague passes, and I, I hope it does, I hope more and more of the vaccine hesitant people come to their senses. Oh, it's what, unbelievable. I was just reading. Oh, the stupid, <laughs> the stupid runs so thick. <laughs> that three teachers and a teacher's assistant uh, who are about to have kids come into their classroom, just died of COVID in Florida. Of course. Yeah, well, you know, don't get me started on DeSantos. Yes. His, the, the death cult he's oh, running. We're going to lift this, this, this up now to nice things. Let's do yes. that. Although I, I'd love to let you guys know too that, um, you you met through poetry. Mark and I met, and our first date wasn't actually a date either. It was a just a dinner and a conversation. We met because of Meet for Tea, and he was just interested in collaborating on one of my circs. Uh -huh. And we went to dinner and just talked about that, just as friends. And then that turned into what's now been. We've been married for seven years. Yeah. Well, of course, I think meeting people 
whose topics, who have topics that you want to talk about, that you want to find out more about, that you want to share with one another, um, is the best way to have a relationship. Um, and and uh, I mean, Peter and I, Peter had been a poet back way back in, in those days, but he, and he still wrote a poem every once in a while, but he never sent them out. That wasn't his mode. My mode was you write a poem, you send it out. Oh yes, um, as I know. <laughs> as you know, as you know. And, and, um, and so now I'm a little bit like his partner in crime, but yeah. I'm also sort of his agent because I send out all his stuff. Because and then I then I come to him and I say, I have a, something to tell you. You have a new poem in a new magazine. It's terrific. I love it. And you both get your own contributors' copies. I love that. There's two copies of Meat for Tea well, at your house. Case, you know, in case. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy for you each to have your own. I like that. Well, it's also. You know, I'm my all my books and, and, and magazine things are gonna go to my children. And so his get to have his magazines and, and, and books if we sell we we're trying to sell several books together. Nice. Including including, and this is the segue, um the um black dog poems. Ooh. Black dog. Yeah. I'm so excited to be publishing those in Meat for Tea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were there's, fun to write. there's probably thirty some odd poems at this point. I think. I think uh, maybe even uh, maybe, a little more. Maybe in the forties now. Um, but that's you know, I I think it was Jane's idea to cook this up. Well, we had, were already writing, but we had those poems, poems lying around because when I first re-met him, there he was with this gorgeous standard black poodle. Aww. And she had been basically his late wife's dog and basically kept him sane through the period of mourning. And she took one look at me and cuddled up to me. And that's a good sign. That was, well, she was checking me out. Right. Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Um, <laughs> and uh, she died six months after we got together, but she that she had found the right person. You know, she sort of looked up at him and went, this one's a keeper. <laughs> yes, I think she was right. What was her name? Gracie. Gracie. Gr Aw, how Gracie. lovely. But I had a black lab when I was um, a teen. And Those are wonderful Anne. critters. And she, she was hilarious because she was huge with big, big white teeth. And if a boy was bringing me home from a date, this is when I was a teenager, <laughs> she, would, she would be standing at the door. Oh, boy. We opened the door. She growled. There went the kiss, right? <laughs> I came in. Oh, well, sorry about that. She is a little rough. But she would literally, if somebody tried to come in and steal the silver, she would have wagged her tail all the way to show them where the silver was. She was just a very sweet animal. I th labs tend to be very, very sweet that way. Mark Mark had a black lab. He'll have to tell you about her later. S serendipitously, when you sent me those poems, I'm actually reading an advanced review copy of Jessamine Smythe's book, Gilgamesh Wilderness. 
which is all written in grieving of her black lab, Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. and about yeah. the travels together. So I'm reading this exam copy of her book about a black dog, and I'm not very far into it. And then these black dog poems come in. I'm like, well, there's there's a synchronistic black dog moment happening, apparently. Well, let us read you some of the black dog poems. We'll Would read, you please? We'll poems that are going to be in Meat for Tea to begin with. I would love that. I'm going to start with the benediction of snow. And it, this one really was about Gracie. It falls like grace upon the black dog's shoulders, coating her long ears with prayers. On the flat dike by the river, she plunges through parables and barks at the scattering flakes. They fly from her open mouth as if they were angel feathers, white and miraculous for chips of old unburied bones. Mm. That's my poem about... Love it. And this is a poem about the same dog. Gracie was a water breed. Oh, I knew it because I'd read the poodle's screed. She knew it too, but it was written in her genes, which tell their stories in neuro-micro scenes, the basis of all the histories a dog can know and tell. Gracie's genes led her to water. On every walk or stroll we take, sooner or later, I'd hear a splash and know an erst poodle was on the scene. My princess dog was letting go, so a poodle hunt might now be seen. Humans, too, have inmost drives. Dogs teach us of these, as when a muddy, dripping beast arrives and is welcomed back with us again. Uh, look, Marvelous. Gorgeous. And then we had two poems for you um, about Gracie in her last moments. Mine is The Black Dog in Peace. She lay down on the known rug, the four of us close by, trusting us to take away the pain. The vet gave her the healing shot, then gathering death around her, that old gray blanket, the black dog fell easily into timeless sleep. Did we violate that trust? I think we gave her what she desired, that we all knew was needed. Then we left her, our hearts broken, but hers healed as was only right, for she had healed us in her own time, in her own way. Wow. And this is is really a, a poem written about exactly the same event on the same day with the same dog the requiem for a dog who had to be put down. A release from pain, the least we owe those we love and tend. Your diagnosis, my friend, was evident, just as was the warmth of that lust touch between us. So this was it, your end. What I believed I owed you as I sat by you, I knew as truth my truth. But was it yours? 
the only lie you believed was that my love for you would always be enough. Tail wagging, you'd walked to your life's end and died, I at your side. I bade you go. Oh, it was for you. But was that true? Self-forgiveness is illusion too. All who live will meet their end, abandoned by others on whom they depend. Wow. Peter often mm. writes uh, in form. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I tend to write more loosely, except when I'm writing children's poems. And then I, then I um, am very, very tight about my rhymes. Um, but I have written two or three books of um, sonnets. One was mm. the Emily sonnets, which were about about uh, Emily Dickinson's life, but all in sonnets. Oh, oh, mercy! I'm going to have to get my hands on one of those or all three. Um, but but we're now working on um, not only the, the the Black Dog book, but we're working on a book which I had started years ago, and it needed something. And now I realize what it needed. It needed Peter. Mm. Um, it it's um, a book right now called Graying, and it's about getting old. It's about the aging process. Um, so Good. now we have a, a male and female uh, poems as well. So that's that's our our next. Um, you know, you you know when you write books of poetry, you never know if you're going to get part get published or if you're going to have to go out, you know, hand in and out. With a, with a hat in hand and try to <laughs> find, find someone who will just print it for you. Have I seen any of the graying poems yet? I, you may have. You may I feel have. like I might have. Yeah, I think. Uh, I feel like for Spill, in that issue, I, I might have published a few of those. We did one, um, he did one called Watching Lacrosse and I did Those Moves. Right. Know. Were those on your list? I don't know. It says meet so. for tea, new submission. So maybe we did. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. All right. You want, Peter, do you have that there or do you want Sure. It? Yeah, I have it. Okay. Watching the Cross is a, a poem that just came to me one day. I'd been wa watching on television a lacrosse game and remembered that only maybe 10 miles away from here, I played lacrosse when I was a secondary school kid. Nice. And on very, very good team. And I, I had a great time watching that game. And afterwards, uh, this poem sort of arrived, which is, is called Watching Lacrosse. It's been 60 years now since my body played this game. But watching it remains the same, if also different. My muscles know which moves take place before those moves occur. The reptile brain lives on. Well, why should practice skill lose its space in an aged body? Why must I feel embarrassed when I feel the echo of a faint and wheel even as I sit idly by? We find the practiced art can't be discarded as mere ancient history. Even without use, memory remains. 
The body knows its past contains worth beyond what reason sees. That joy of running matters even if one's knees are past such heavy service. Oh, the body knows the purpose of all that served us well can't be discarded until death's knell seals one past in one's past into the past. Muscle memories and others last. Remembered love is much the same, even if that love was not a game. <laughs> love that. And then mine is about the seven years that I took ballet at Balanchine's school. Mm. Um, I'm also a ballet girl. Yeah, well, I was a ballet at, boy. At a ballet boy. Well, yeah, wow. We're, we're both previous ballet but, dancers. Yeah, it turned out that as much as I loved ballet, as much as I wanted to be a prima, as much as I would have died to be in the court of ballet, I was five foot three. Mm. I was a fully developed young woman, shall I say. <laughs> I had flat feet. Me too. I did not have a long neck and I did not have long legs. So it was clear I was not going to be a ballerina. The flat uh, feet make it really hard. Really hard, <laughs> yes. So this I have, is. I have a birth. Well, oh, I'm sorry, I'll just jump in. I have, no. I have a birth defect in my spine that. Oh. Um, <laughs> It became caused, apparent in ballet. Yeah, it right? caused me a lot of pain after a few years of, of ballet. I was like, well, I, I just, as, as a young man in ballet, it was a great way to meet very undressed young women. Yeah, that actually, that <laughs> became a problem as uh, as things started to happen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> partner work, you partner a little work. embarrassing. Your partner work became a very challenging <laughs> mental exercise. My son was a ballet boy, too. Yeah, things things could get embarrassing really quick. Yep. Yep. All right. This one, <laughs> I'm going to just dedicate this to Mark. <laughs> Those moves. I remember dancing in Balanchine school, a bit of light where my toe shoes were, a bit of flight when my arms posed in second position, a whirlwind of turns that Kansas might have acknowledged. But now I walk flat, knees rarely bending. Um, Kansas Toto is a long way from here. Uh, still, Oz has its own magic, and my brain is still able to crank out tales Barnum would envy, if, if not thou. In fact, I think I may have put the wrong ending to it, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> things can things if can you want to read it with an alternate ending we'd love to have you or we'll leave it as it is we aim to please yeah. well, it's the world oh, needs surprises here's another graying poem if you want it jane okay this is pt at the mirror i never spent much time there after all what was i to see an average male face, bare one time, but now resolutely bearded, blue-eyed, hair shorn short, now whitish gray, a forehead increasing where the head hair went away. Not ever much to look at me, and yet it was and is enough. We know that we must all agree to whatever's smooth or rough. Mine was a face years ago that could be seen without 
dismay. So even now I look and know it's good enough to start the day. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I, I thought that I would read you because I, you know, I write a poem every day. What a discipline. I want to, but then, well, then I don't. Occasionally I falter, but other days I might write three because I sent them out daily to uh, over a thousand subscribers. Um, By subscribers, I mean, they ask to be put on the list. They don't pay anything. Your email list. Oh, you should start a Patreon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You could, you could start a Patreon and make people pay like $5 a month or something to be on that list. Even a yeah. buck a month yeah. with a thousand subscribers. Well, anyway, in one of the poems that, that, that I, that I wanted to read is about the, about writing. Mm. Um, it's called resolved combustion. Love that. First, find the right tinder, a handful of dry grass, the idea of the poem piecemeal, shaggy, rough, Flaking in the hand, a bit of flint next, the hard idea, needing something striking at the core. Find a stick, not for poking about with, that will come later in the revision, but a place to cradle the nascent flame and then blow. Oh, wait, your hot air is not regulated enough. You might put the small spark out with too quick, too percussive a blow. Thrust the ember into the pith, into the heart of the poem, feel the heat of it, browning the edges, curling, curing, curating your lines. Now you are ready. The fire is set. Breathe deep, steady, passionately, slow. Blow yourself apart. Mm. (laughs) Fabulous. And I feel like I need to be a subscriber too. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, uh, I'll send you the, the information if you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel yes, I need to, I to learn a lesson from that poem, and in terms of getting off my butt and writing more music. Well, yeah, I I, I tell my students I call it BIC, but butt in chair, button chair. Mm-hmm. chair. No, I, yeah. I also say if if the muse is wandering around looking for someone to give an idea to, and you're not sitting at your desk. She'll go to someone else. Yep. She will. I'm, I'm peripatetic. I do visual art and play piano too. So I, I tend to like be moving between modalities. Focusing put out on one hell of a magazine. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much. My problem is, is that what I do for a living is basically help other people make their music. And that's what I do all day. And I help other people be published. And so for me to, to spend the whole day working on somebody else's music, the last thing I want to do is listen to any more music unless I'm just listening casually. I don't know if you two know this, but I write lyrics for a lot of different bands. Ooh. I am not surprised in the least. And I'm working on, I'm working on a, 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 um, a, rock, a rock and roll musical right now. No kidding. That's Do tell. Tell us, that, tell us everything. I want to know the title of the musical. I want to know what it's about. Now, right now, the, the, the musical is called um, The Children's Crusade. So mm, it's, the, cool. it's it's pretty brutal in places. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I also have 
from a book of mine, which is a book of poems about Baba Yaga called Finding Baba Yaga. Um, I have a cousin who's a composer and he's turning it into uh, an opera which he thinks he has some people in Russia interested in. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm ever so fond of Baba Yaga stories. Ah, I I call myself the Baba sometimes. (laughs) Nice. I have a friend called... All right, you better be sitting down with this. I have a friend called Crescent Dragon Wagon. <laughs> okay. I love that. Yeah, yeah, book, cool. Book writer. Her name was originally Ellen. Uh, Ellen. Uh, oh, I can't remember now. Right now, but but it was a, you know it was the sixties, and she and her boyfriend decided that they wanted to get married, but they didn't like either one's last name, and uh, so so they chose Dragon Wagon. This is a story yeah it's a real 60 story they hitched their wagons yes (laughs) (laughs) forgive me for that (laughs) hopefully they weren't dragging too much yeah Yeah, hopefully the wagons weren't dragging and 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 she and i call ourselves the babas and we 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 talk russian and we speak and say tvarich i haven't (laughs) spoken to you in many a day please give me a call (laughs) oh my gosh oh my goodness love that so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm going to call myself, let's see, not Dragon Wagon. I would have to be um, uh, Angel well, Feather. Angel Feather? Or no? Peter's looking at me like, are you out of your mind? Um, it's going to have Baba in it, I feel. Well, I like being Baba Yaga because Baba Yaga can be very fierce. Powerful. Powerful. She's the most powerful witch. You always have your domicile wherever you need it. That's right. You just <laughs> say, come here, turn around, little house. And it's there it is. Chicken yeah. Yep. Yep. No, yep. no homelessness for a Baba Yaga. No, no, no. No such thing. And she and she occasionally, uh, as as in my book, has a romance with Cus Chai the Deathless. And when he kisses her, he leaves a scar. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, well. There's a price, I, I love that. I, I like these dark old stories. Do you have another poem, Peter, you're looking at? Yeah, I do. All right. Uh, well, I have a failed sonnet. Bring it forth. He said a failed sonnet. Well, this was a poem that started out to be a sonnet, but then it just wanted to go in a different direction. It's 14 mm. lines, but they're not a real sonnet. They're kind of near rhyme and a little bit of scan. Uh, but I, I thought it was a good poem to end us up with. It's called Wobbly. A wobbly, painful knee, a shoulder that never knit, ears that blessedly hear music, but not much else. Dysfunction, be it particular or more general, the woes of age parade themselves and claim they are supreme. So much, too, it would seem, are joys of the flesh. Yet this body is not done with pleasure, is it? O magical woman, my love, O bringer of new life. Oh, yes. Ah, beautiful. doubted us entirely now, hasn't he? He (laughs) certainly has. Are you blushing? I am. (laughs) I'm a little flush. A little. (laughs) Right? I was going to say also. Anyone's cheeks pink. I was going to say also. I get it. (laughs) So I guess that's about it. 
Yeah, well, Elizabeth usually, Elizabeth usually has some questions for people. Yeah, I, think- I, I don't do interviews because I really do like yeah, to yeah. just get people talking about whatever they want to or reading whatever they want to. It's all about you, after all. And and I, I don't like interviews so much as just chats like we've been having. Although I do need to say, once this uh, stupid plague is over, fingers crossed it ever is, that wedding reception, I will bake some of my sourdough bread and bring it. <laughs> well, how about just a party or a dinner together? That Definitely. would also be lovely. I know. I would. Be well, last yesterday I made actually a carrot cake with cream cheese icing for our dinner because I could make it ahead of time and we could just eat it after the podcast chat. And so <laughs> as it was, we had carrot cake anyway. And I was thinking, boy, I wish I could give Jane and Peter some of this carrot cake. It's a good thing, isn't it? Especially when you get too much carrot. Yeah, Peter is the cook in our family here. Nice. Yeah. What do you like to cook, Peter? Well, it just seems to be one of those things, like many other things in my life, I just suddenly found myself doing. Nice. What What do you enjoy cooking? Um, it's mostly kind of northern Italian food. Ooh. I'm... You know, I I didn't cook at all. I didn't know anything about cooking. My wife was a very, very good cook. And then as she became more and more ill and she really had to rest partway through the day if she was going to go on professionally. She was a clinical psychologist. Mm. Somebody had to cook. And right. I began doing it. And then the problem was that I was living with a very good critic of cooking. Oh, <laughs> pretty routine to say the best of it. So I went to cooking school, um, partly in Italy and then again in France. Oh, cool. um, And managed to, on a fairly narrow bandwidth, be a pretty decent cook. And um, which is to say much better than I deserve. (laughs) I think you deserve deserve good food, Jane. But it's, it, you know, at a certain point in life, you should find ways to do things that give you and those you care about pleasure. And mm-hmm. this, yeah, I think so. I think I think that's. I, I was lucky enough to be gifted. A, God, how old is it now? Fifty-one-year-old sourdough starter from my cousin, who's a Tibetan Buddhist monk, who, who got it from my aunt who got it from her neighbor, Gisela Moffat, who actually herself escaped the Nazi scourge in Eastern Europe and started her starter after she came here. And now is it her? That is a poem right there. I've written poems about it. Actually, if you go to the silver needle issue of meat for tea, there are some um, sourdough Poems, sourdough, and um, bitching about who our president was in the same poem. <laughs> Imagine how I work that in. If, if you don't have a copy of Silver Needle, um, we can hook you up. We, we can give you one, definitely. Love. But yeah. but I received it, and then um, it seemed the best way to keep a starter going was to start a discipline of baking bread. And I actually have um, dough going right now it's it's sitting waiting for its next set of folds it the timing worked out perfect for this 
find the metaphor of that so fascinating. Thank you. I think so too. Just like we shall rise and and mm-hmm. rising above, and, and also I have, I have risen. <laughs> yeah, and it has risen, and it it will rise again, and it, it starts to get really biblical, I guess. But I, I I think it's just it's a lovely discipline. I make either two bulls, two round loaves a week, or one, and then I reserve the other part for pizza dough, depending oh, yeah. on things. And my my little grandsons Finnegan and Killian. I've regaled you with tons and tons of pictures of. Yeah, absolutely. They're adorable. I mm-hmm. happen to think they are, but <laughs> they you know, are. as their grandma, I might have a bias, but they are little bread snobs. They know grandma sourdough bread and they actually prefer it to others. So, funny. so I'm glad of creating a couple of little, little bread snobs, but it's just, it's a weekly discipline now every every week make the leaven and i used to bake bread um my hands are too arthritic now to do much of that sort of thing mm. i never mm. I never used um, a, a mixer i always i always i think that that i used it partially to get out the anger <laughs> uh, the kneading Actually, the the method I use, it's method tartine. It's from um, tartine bread. There is no kneading. It's just a series of folds at certain time intervals. So it's pretty actually easy on the hands. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't, there's not a lot of, I don't know. If you get curious, I can, I can share with you all that method tartine. Speaking of method tartine, it's time for me to do a set of folds. <laughs> and I do want to ask you some questions. I'll be right back. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. I think I think your next your next meat for tea thing after the next one, because you probably already have it. Um should we call starter dough? Uh, I actually, um, years ago, had um, Pen Leven as um, the theme for a Cirque. I think it, that was for the Silver Needle issue, and I just looked it up. That that was the issue that came out right before the cycle before the Confit issue, in which I started publishing you, interestingly. But I did have a pen, a Levan mm. issue. If you go to the Meet mm. for Tea website and you go to the events pen Levan, uh, page, yes, yeah. yeah, you can see all the um, different circs and all the different posters. And the pen, a Levan one, th- th- there were a few posters that, well, shall we say my political views were not made mysterious. <laughs> not a, not obscured. <laughs> they were, they were Le Cirque de clear. Resistance. Yeah, there is, and there is also Le Cirque d'Insurrection. Yep. Although I wasn't meaning insurrection the way certain a-holes decided to do it on January 6th. No, no, quite, quite to the contrary. Quite to the contrary. <laughs> the idea that people can look at those videos and think they're going on a 
Well, yeah, um, uh, some people's brains have been scrubbed, especially clean. Yeah, that's my thing. You know, Mark. Mark had a black dog for a long time. We should just tell you about Madison. Oh, briefly. Madison. No, oh, I, <laughs> I have a granddaughter named Madison. Oh, it's a, nice. it's a good name. One D or two. One. One. Yeah, my granddaughter is two Ds. My nice. my 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 ex wife and I adopted her from a shelter when she was three months old, and she was already forty pounds. She was a big, black big, lab. big girl. <laughs> black Lab, uh, we think Plot Hound and German Shepherd mix. She was a, a beautiful mutt, mostly Black Lab. My current novel that I'm working on uh, had a black dog in it. From uh, This is a black dog from the Scottish and the English. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, if you see a black dog... Don't mm-hmm. go for style. If you see a black dog there, because you'll die. Right. Kind of, kind of stories. Um, but this one is very different. I mean, he is that black dog, but the girl, the girl puts a special collar on him and she says, take care of me and mine. And he oh. does. Mm. Now, is this, is this a, a novel for adults or is this a why, YA? Middle grade. Middle Not, grade. It's one of, um, I have uh, a series of three coming out. I've written one. I'm in this in the second one now. The nice. first one hasn't been published yet, but it, the the series is called the Royal and Ancient Monster Hunters. Oh, and fantastic! Scotland in the in the uh, 1890s, and every Scottish and, and monsters have come back to Scotland for some reason. Um, mm. They don't know why. And so every schoolhouse has its group of monster hunters. It's usually the the, um, the head of school, male or female, um, is uh, the the head of of the the, the three kids um, uh, who are the um, the tracker. One is the gaffer, and one is the bait. Fantastic. The bait has to stand outside of the monster's cage. I figured the bait had a role like that. I'm afraid, Mom. I'm afraid it's getting dark. What do I do? I don't know what to do. And then out comes the monster and in goes the gaff. So I know a couple of little girls. Well, and also thank you for being so generous with my grandchildren. They love getting your your signed books for well, their birthdays. Yes, a, there's a lot of blood in these books. So I would suggest it has to be somebody with a um, an enjoyment of, you know, that kind of adventure. Well, my 10-year-old granddaughter, Ramona, who goes by Momo, you, you sent her a book very recently for her 10th birthday. Okay. But um, she's got a taste for fantasy, adventure, witches, dragons, blood, all of that. She loves that. And well, the first one is called A Sea Dragon of Fife. That's the, the first one that's coming out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Has those things? She's come to the right door with Jane. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, a lot of that stuff going on with Jane. Has been for a long time, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. And and the, and the person telling the story is the first girl in this school to have become a monster hunter, and she is the bait. Oh, what a good POV! In the end, she's the one who really kills the dragon. Spoiler alert. Yep. Spoiler alert. She goes under <laughs> and cuts out its heart. 
Nice. I love that. Well, Jane and I have talked Scottish lore through emails. My, my last name has an old, old origins. And from the Gaelic. McDuffie. Yeah, it was like, I, I can't speak Gaelic. I, I really ought to learn. I can speak German. I have no excuse for not being able to speak Gaelic, really. But it's like, McDubseed. That's right. It's very, it's, it's, it's a very few who speak Gaelic, but they all speak Scots. And Scots has, you know, they'll say, they'll say things like, um, Kenna and Dinna. I didn't want to, but I did. Yes. Um, I love that. I love the way they, I, I have a house in Scotland. I know. I'm envious. I, I couldn't go this year. I know. And but, I'm but, sorry for that. Or last year. Or last year. Mm-mm. But I had Peter instead. That's your consolation prize. <laughs> You're my consolation prize. Sure <laughs> <laughs> we what go was, back to his house in, in Mystic, Connecticut. So That's nice. It is very nice. But I think I told you ages ago in an email that the... MacDuffie McDubseeth comes from um, in the Gaelic as son of the dark fairy. Oh, yes. Yeah. And according to, and you can actually look up MacDuffie Scottish lore, according to the ancient stories, the first mother of our line was a Selkie. I have written many Selkie stories. They're fascinating. I have skepticism about that being in my ancestry just because I really I have no webbing in my fingers or toes well so. here's here's one of the stories that I love about the possible we've written reason, poems too yeah both of us but yeah. the, there's a possibility that that the that the Selkies was a misunderstanding mm-hmm. that somebody from a northern country was in it was in a um one person kayak kind of thing. Um, uh, but they, since they came from the coal places and they were, they were sailing the coal seas, they had seal skin over the top of their, their canoe or their kayak, which came up so that they could put their arms yeah. through it as well. So that that, that was totally um, not, um, you know, that makes sense. Through. And then one came to shore um, got out of the boat, you know, went, huh, 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 and took off its skin, and it was a human being. Oh, that makes so much that sense. That makes so that much sense. Saw this, went, oh my God, that's a magical creature. So, it, it shed its seal skin. I'll send you the Selkie poem I wrote ages ago. Oh, I love ago. it. Oh, it, it, it crushes me reading that poem. I, well, I actually just, as, as one sometimes does when you need quick inspiration for a poem. I just asked Facebook to friends to give me words and promise I'd weave them into something. Oh yeah. I've done that too. I, it's a good exercise. I, I find. I also, well, if you're writing a poem a day, <laughs> so, Oh my God, I've done everything about my life this week. Let me try write something about something else. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I, I ended up with a sulky poem. It's, I, I've written a couple actually. There's also, Woe to he who falls in love with a sulky. Oh, yeah. Which is an older one. I'll send you those. The fishermen. I have a bunch of fishermen poems. 
about fishermen who um, who uh, fall in love with selkies. And one of my songs for my one of my bands, uh, sung by Louis Louis Collins. Do you know Louis Collins? Mm-hmm. Mark has recorded her. Are I've you worked kidding? with Louis a ton. I love Louis. That they're old friends. The song, um, uh, the fisherman, and, the, and it's the fisherman is down by the bay and he sees a selfie. And, and I know that song absolutely. Well, that's mine. That's strange. Oh, that's terrific. This world is so tiny, Jane and Peter. I know. I know. It grows ever more so. Well, Louis and I, uh, and um, and uh, Max Cohen, and um, oh, of course, Donna Hubert had a a. Uh, you know, it's like all these little bands, they last a year and then people start yelling at each other. <laughs> and and so and Louis, Louis and I had been writing poems, uh, writing songs for some time. And then she did a bunch cool. of children's um, uh, songs, too, oh, yeah. most with my with my lyrics. And, um, oh, and uh, I've heard then these. Then I yeah. met Donna and I wrote a I wrote a you know lyrics for her. And Don, then, Donna Dupril? Donna Hebert. Donna Hebert, okay. Donna Hebert. And, mm-hmm. and she, she was teaching fiddle at, uh, at Smith College. And um, she, uh, we were the three, ra- we were the, the ravens. Five raisins. Five ravens? Four ra- ravens? Three ravens? I can't Not raisins. <laughs> Not raisins. Not raisinettes. <laughs> we last we lasted um, uh, one one year and 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 one uh, one album. That's not a terrible. Run. I want to hear that. And then I got to I got to read poetry in between their songs, and I also got to write some of their songs. Yeah, I want to hear this. Fun. Yeah, we we've got to see out the album and. Oh yeah. Mark being old friends with Louis. I. And Max. Yeah, and several dozen of the albums. So I will give you Seven one. Months. I'll give you one. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I should probably, I don't want to keep you up past your bedtime. I want to ask you, I ask <laughs> people just just a few questions. I have a few standard okay. questions. I ask everyone because they're fun. So, and and each of you, of course, um, what are what are each of you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I just finished a brilliant book by Alice Hoffman. I love her. Um, it's a Golem novel. Ooh. I have, I have forgotten the title, but it is stunningly beautiful. It's about about a mother who in uh, the Holocaust who conjures up a golem so that her children, her daughters can be safe. Um, and uh, the golem is a female golem. Nice. It's just stunning. So what about you, Peter? I'm reading Jan Swafford's uh, newest book about a composer about Mozart. Oh, fun. And it's a wonderful book. He's I, I know him fairly well. It turns out, but I didn't know until this last year, is that he was in a writing group with Jane about... 20 years or 30 years ago. Yeah, it wasn't writers a writing group. group. It was a writer's group. We, yeah. we basically you know? have writer's group where you sit you sit in a, in a bar or a pub and you curse out publishing and publishers. <laughs> 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 I hope my ears weren't burning. No, wait, that was before my time. I've, I've, sat, I've sat on not. a couple panels uh, for recording conferences that, that kind of went that way too. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I had been to a couple of conferences where he was um, part of the faculty, um, both about his prior subjects were Brahms and Beethoven. And um, so this book, I'm, I'm probably halfway through it now, is is really quite a wonderful book. It's a much more difficult subject, of course, because Mozart, for much of his life, was a happy person. And it's a lot easier to write a book about somebody who is... Like um, Beethoven. Yeah, yeah, no. Tortured, the tortured genius story. Yeah, and uh, meets expectations in that regard. Yep. And But it's really quite a wonderful book. And you, by the way, you were talking about absolute and perfect and relative pitch. Um, Mozart had perfect pitch. Oh, of course. And mm -hmm. um, to the degree to which if he heard, uh, so let's say, an organ being played and it was not tuned to a proper A yeah. or it was out of tune with itself, which a lot of organs can yep. be, yep. I, it literally made him feel ill. That was my mom. Yeah. My mom would react the same way. She'd feel sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 Peter's a violist and... Oh, I, I'm wonderful! To, to um, the the um, I call myself audience of one while they're they're practicing, <laughs> and there's always someone because these are not professionals. There are few professionals in it, but they're semi-professionals. There's always someone with a a string instrument that is just a eighth note flat. Oh, oh yeah, and oh, yeah. I, I just to leave the room and sort of yes. walk, we'll walk about for a little bit before I go back and sit down. And you know, she's kind of getting along in years, as several of us are. And um, uh, it doesn't do any good to say, you know, that A is pretty flat. Um, right, suck it up. You just suck <laughs> it up and say, yeah. <laughs> suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> We've been playing music together for twenty or thirty years. So. Wow! Do you do you do chamber music then, Peter? Yeah, only chamber music now. Uh huh. Do do you um? Are, are you friends with it all? This is just a, a long shot, I guess, but not such a long shot. Um, Peter Albo. Yes. Who is an oboist that does chamber music? No, I, I thought you were talking about Peter Albo. Yeah, I am. Peter uh, not only taught at UMass, right? Yeah, he was. He would have been my dissertation chair. But Peter and I went to Williams together. So you and Peter have history. We have real history. We not only went to Williams together, but we were one year apart. And um, he's a wonderful person. He was. He is. A I, I love studying with him. Peter. Um, and I were both on the ski team at Williams. Wow, Peter Elbow stories. Hours and hours riding around in vans, going to cold places. And neither of us ever discovered the other played a string instrument. <laughs> that was what going to a men's <laughs> college in the 1950s was like. Wow. And, and uh, but we have since then, we've played fairly often. In fact, I think Peter was at one of those conferences, at least that Swafford was a faculty member at. I wouldn't be he surprised. Much actively playing viola. I think that Peter was very surprised when I wrote. I wrote to. I found. I hadn't spoken to Jan Swafford in twenty years, 
Um, he had he had left the valley and was somewhere else. Um, and and uh, I got his email from a friend, and and uh, I wrote to him, and he and he said, "Oh, I remember so many fun fun times at your house when we would." Sit sit in front of the television, watching the Boston Celtics and screaming at, at the uh, at the um, uh, the referees. <laughs> like, I don't remember this. Of course not. He was doing that with your husband. With well, you. I was there too. I was a big <laughs> I was a big bird fan. You were a big basketball fan too. I I I have a I I can't watch sports and I can't watch war movies and I have uh, just not not because of any particular bias but actually because I fall asleep and I, I think <laughs> it's true I think it's the, the fall asleep? I think it's the uniforms I think it's the visual <laughs> uniformity it just oh, I can understand. for real it puts me to sleep almost <laughs> immediately that's hilarious. Having been in the army, I learned how to. It's the visual repetition. All I had to do was put a uniform on, and I could fall asleep within thirty seconds. See, it works. Now, if everyone dresses the same, I'm, I'm bored to the point of being anesthetized. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, just <laughs> so. This this is the conversation that that has gone sidewise and. And that's what I like to encourage, but I will what, ask that's my what next we want. question. That's what we want. <laughs> um, now, what are you, what are you guys listening to? Uh, now I ask people often because we, we actually have a huge collection of vinyl albums and a turntable and I ask people like what, what's on your turntable, but I know not everyone does that, but, but what, what, what are you listening to? This is really, this is really, uh, I listen to the news. That's what I listen to. Mm. I'm not listening to a lot of music these days. And I don't listen to music when I'm writing because I'm so musical that I then start imitating the rhythms sure. of the music oh, instead of the rhythms yeah. for the particular piece that I'm writing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But Peter listens to music all the time. What are you listening to, Peter? I, I'm, well, I've been, right now I'm working on a Mendelssohn quartet. Oh, nice. So I've been listening to a recording of that recently. And um, it's in the, the Opus 13 A minor quartet, and it, which is pretty much at the A far edge of my technical range with work. I can be there, but it's mm. useful to kind of have it in my ears. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of it is technically fairly challenging for the viola. Yeah, I bet. And uh, particularly played up to tempo. And, uh, but, you know, that was one of, when I retired, which was now, what is it? Uh, this is 21. Almost 20 years ago, yeah. Well, not quite 20, 17 years ago. Um, um, one of the things I decided was that I was going to pay myself back by having a real priority in my life for playing music. Good for you. And, I like that. Um, and I've been able to do it, which I'm very lucky in being able to say. And there's a community of, of people who play music together and down on the Connecticut shore where I live that the core of us have, have really been together for most of the last 30 years. 
and um, it's a wonderful part of my life, and not just for the music, but for the the community aspect. No, totally, I totally understand. That sounds amazing. That sounds so great. I, I, I um, I, I'm a terrible musician. I have been a good musician. I've had my own. Oh, you can play band for a while. But but I will I will go in phases. I guess like I said, I'll do visual art for a while. I'll write for a while, then I'll play piano for a while, and I keep. I guess I keep myself in kind of beginner's mind all the time. <laughs> That's a good mind to be in. Yeah, the only mind I'm expert at is baking bread. I used to sing. Not true, but um, and I sang not only in choirs and choruses, but I sang with a guitarist behind me. Nice. Uh, but I have no voice anymore. It's just totally blown out. Like, I have a range now. Of, I'm I'm a I'm a, a low alto, but I used to be able to sing up to um, where the where the um, sopranos start. I have a range of about six notes at this point, oh. and mm. it makes me very sad. Yeah. My my range is which choirs I I I'm you're talking to a Worcester concert choir alum. Well, I mean, so I was at Smith College, and they I was okay, yeah, and in the in the chorus, in the chorale. Um, but in high school, I was in both the choir and the chorus, uh, two different groups. But when I got, um, I started hanging around with with a guy as a friend um, who was at Trinity College and he played a variety of, you know, he played um, guitar and banjo and squeeze box and a bunch of other stuff. And we started singing together and we would entertain Trinity parties and we would, uh, you know, so that sort of thing. Um, And, and I also sang blues because I have that big, deep blue, Boozy, without ever drinking. The uh, stormy Monday voice. Yes, um, but now I, I I can sing in the shower. That's about it. Well, you know mm-hmm. that's good. You know, sing for your own pleasure. <laughs> I went to a voice a voice specialist, and she had me do a lot of, you know, me 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 kind of things. And it lasts it, it and you know it lasts only as long as I do the exercises. I can get up to almost two octaves, but they're terrible octaves. Oh boy! Yeah, nobody's judging. No, no, seriously. If it makes you happy, you should yeah. sing all you want. I should move us to our final question because I don't want to keep you up till all hours. No, but, but we are. <laughs> but we are anyway because we're naughty like that. But um, what what are you guys? Is there anything you like, you're enjoying watching right now? He's watching a lot of lacrosse. <laughs> Not lacrosse. During the Euro soccer games, I'm, okay. I played. I played soccer for years and years and years. And nice. Up into my forties. Wow. And coach. That's why he has no knees left. Yeah. No. Oh, sure. Well, they they're the best knee surgery he can give you. And, <laughs> but but um, I don't. You know, when we were in, we lived, I lived for a long time in Williamstown. Um, and um, being a college town, there was always terrific movies there. Mm-hmm. And probably we watched at least two or three movies a week for years. Fabulous. Uh, I haven't seen, and I think it's partly, maybe I'm an old fart now and I'm not, 
um, very much willing to go along with uh, the thrills of animation and stuff, you know, kind of computer animation. But there's not much that I've seen that moves me a lot. The the main movie that I've seen in the last year or two that I thought was in the league with the great movies was Roma. No, we we watched uh, we went and, and watched uh, when we first were were together and stuck in Mystic for three months without being able to go anywhere. Um, we did um, a lot of, of movies that were that we had cassettes uh, of, and we saw some interesting movies. One of my favorite movies, which I had not been able to to watch since uh, my husband had died, was Truly Madly Deeply. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I thought with Peter I can do it. And the two of us ended up sniveling and and and, and weeping together. Oh Aww. sure, sure. Um, been but but we saw a bunch of um, movies about various wars and about various which we liked the uh, World War Two, World War One, um, and there was one about the King of Norway. I remember, I remember the yeah. titles, but I don't remember the titles. Well, they're they're kind of entertainment movies. I think yeah. what, what <laughs> there hasn't been is, I think back then in the '60s and '70s, I was kind of geeky into what I thought was breaking, cutting edge art in movies, and mm-hmm. there hasn't seemed to me that kind of ambition recently. Yeah, whereas I really like story. Mm-hmm. So if it has a good story, and I don't mean a um, no, that's absolutely true. That's the difference. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I like story too. Super. So I, my, my one last question that I always ask, if we are at that point, are we there? Yes, because I think we've got to kind of, we should probably wrap this up. I, I actually have to um, appreciate my bread and I'm, yeah, I'm looking I'm making, at it in raw terror that it's going to overproof. I'm making, I'm making her stall, but we, we, we won't hang on long. Is I'm where like, like I've overproofed. <laughs> <laughs> Given enough time, we all overproof. The question I have for you is: Is there easy ways for people to find you on oh, yes. the internet or social media? I'm on Facebook. Um, I haven't been able to. Peter, Peter's you, on nothing. We should I'm, be Facebook friends. Why are we not Facebook friends? That's silly. well. I have five thousand friends, and I can't kill yeah, any you're stuck. Yeah. Oh, you can't but kill them. Do, do well, you, that's okay. Anybody, anybody can. I, I mean, it's open. I don't. I don't. Uh, People can follow you and, and, and be on it and read it and, and say stuff on it. I'm um, approaching 5,002 and I'm, I'm getting ready just to go through and see what I can call. Well, <laughs> at my age, I've been calling some people recently because all my friends are dying. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that. That's, that's tough. Yeah, that um, tough. But I, I write there maybe once a day. You know, oh, wow. that's most actually... of what I'm doing is saying, I got three books turned down today, um, <laughs> and and people like to hear that. You think, know, there's a meat for tea Facebook page, right? Yeah, just this Jane Yolen. Um, they like to hear it because it gives them hope in a in a funny right. sort of way. Of course, because I say I say, all right, I had two books turned down. Move on. I always consider when something is turned down. I have permission to go somewhere else. Right. With, and right. some of my best books were turned down enormous amounts of time, uh, you know, by by editors 
And, and now I'm getting, and this is my favorite, my favorite thing is that I'm getting letters from editors who say, you always write so gloriously and the lift and your spirit of your books are wonderful, but we're passing on this one. Uh, and go, that's, yeah, you okay. want me to write badly. Okay. Uh, I know, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'll do it worse next time. <laughs> I'm too good. Thanks. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So people can find you on Facebook uh, just by looking for Jane Yule, and that's that's smart. Twitter occasionally, but I don't really like Twitter. Yeah, I have a love hate thing with Twitter. I did a funny thing on Twitter a few years ago. There's a thing you can find um, called a Dada Poetry Genitor where you can put any any bit of text through and it scrambles all the meaning out of it into pure data. <laughs> So I took, um, this is a few years ago, I took Donald Trump's tweets and put them to the data poetry generator. And you came out with the Jabberwocky. It was bizarre. I, I actually stopped doing it when his tweets got bizarre enough that even the data poetry generator wasn't any weirder it than they it were. It didn't make a difference. It actually it sounded the same. It made them sound more sane, if anything. Yeah. Which is like, okay, why, why are we bothering? <laughs> Well, thank you guys. Super. Yeah, that was. This was amazing. Truly awesome. And when lovely. the plague passes, you are our, you have a standing uh, invitation to our house for dinner. Yeah. Well, we're, when we're all feeling comfortable enough with, with health issues, you yeah. got to come over. You're still around a lot of younger kids. That makes it a little more difficult. Well, not as, not that often. Yeah. But, but enough. I mean, and, and they're little and they're not vaccinated yet. Yeah, Sebastian's back vaccinated and has been for a while. Well, so that's Sebastian's nice. big. Sebastian's almost six feet now. Oh yeah, Jane and I were talking about the last time we saw each other. <laughs> he's a he's a giant. He's really. He's, he's almost huge. six feet tall. It's amazing. Wow. For, for the listeners out there, earlier on in the episode, we were talking about my son and and the whole the whole uh, writing competition. Well, not competition. Is it competition, Jane? Yeah, it's a contest. Yeah, it's a contest. I'm gonna um, say that, that he won in one of the categories. He I'm gonna was, say good night. Boy, that was five years ago. And appreciate my bread. Elizabeth is saying good night. I'm gonna say good night in just a moment. But uh, thank you so for, much, for the guys. Listeners, that's what we're talking about: is the son who was probably five feet tall, maybe, or maybe yeah, he's like 11, 11 years old, and now he's yeah, he's eleven. Well, I have I have one. Um, Two sons. One is uh, five foot eight, and one is six foot tall. Yeah, I'm, I'm four three. Yeah, how's it happen? Luckily, four two four, and a half. Four three. <laughs> four, four three. Five five <laughs> five five, five, five foot <laughs> something, but it's small. Whatever it is, it's yeah. not a big number. Oh, wonderful, um, wonderful. But David, David was six feet tall. Uh, yeah. And, well, that's and, where we're going. And uh, yeah. Uh, Jane and Peter, thank you so much. This was wonderful, but it's also going to be fun to meet. Yes, we, we will. We will be seeing each other in person soon. Good, good, good. Love to you both. Good. Love to you. Bye bye. <laughs> All right, bye bye. That was an amazing conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, we really think so. We had a great time. We kept them up probably long past how long they wanted to talk, but they didn't seem to be complaining. No, they were. We we could have kept talking longer. I think that the main thing that brought everything to a halt and might have been kind of an abrupt halt for me is I was making my sourdough bread. I used the method tartine and I tried to time it with big intervals of time in between folds 
for the bulk rising period and in between the bench rest. But sure enough, the bench rest had come to an end and it was time to do a final shaping. And there's something about goodbyes with friends that can go on. The, the goodbye can actually be the longest part of the conversation. Well, if you're hearing this now, you heard the goodbye and you can you can tell. You, you'll be able to tell. And um, I, I was actually looking at my dough, threatening to overproof and knew I'd have to address it, do a, do a final shape into a banneton wrapped up and in the fridge. So That explains the hasty exit that you probably already figured out. But it was good. It was good. So we've got, uh, I'm going to take a little break from Meet for Cast for about three weeks. So this is the end of season two, as you know. We're taking a season break. And um, again, if you're local, we, we will see you at the Cirque, right? Angry Baby, Editrix, Cool Films. September 11th, 2021, Sewn Lab, Abandoned Building Brewery, 7 o'clock p.m. $5. Yes, please. We like to give the bands some money. Also defrays any costs that we happen to incur putting the thing on as well. Also, I'd like to pay myself for organizing the thing. Yeah, it's nice when that works out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. She, she's earned it. Sometimes I can. So there's that, and we will be back September 19th. Yes, I think the release schedule is probably going to be pretty much Sundays every other week, as our other life schedules sort of dictate. So please check back with us in three weeks and in the meantime if you haven't heard all of the episodes of season one and season two you know where to find them now's your chance to catch up oh and hot tip to locals at the Cirque the new issue the cheek issue of meat for tea will be hot off the presses if you buy it at the Cirque it's cheaper than if you buy it from a local bookseller it's only ten dollars yeah so we think that's a deal that's a deal <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around through the end of season two and the end of this lovely episode. And we will be back in a few weeks with season three. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, the Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Zone Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth, Meat for Tea on Instagram, and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.